0: Welcome to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Hendel, and we're on Society Bites Radio today. We have two guests today. Um, they are fellow podcasters. I wonder if that's a word, podcasters. Yes, I'm sure it is. And they have their they have their own podcast, um, but today they will be my guests. We're, our theme today is a podcast called Writing Class Radio. And our two guests are Allison Langer, who is a Miami native from the University of Miami. She has an MBA. She's a writer. She's a private writing coach. She taught memoir writing in prison and has been published in the Washington Post, Mutha Magazine, Scary Mommy and Modern Loss, Allison wrote a novel about wrongful conviction, and she's actively looking for an agent. Currently, she's working on a memoir with her her friend and inside student, Clifton Jones, also known as Too Tall. Allison's stories and her voice can be heard on Writing Class Radio, a podcast that she co-produces and co-hosts. We also have Andrea Askowitz. Andrea is a storytelling missionary, and she believes stories will heal the world. I agree. She's the author of the memoir, My Miserable, Lonely, Lesbian Pregnancy, and the editor of Badass, True Stories, the double album. Her stories have appeared in publications, including the New York Times, Salon, The Rumpus, Huffington Post, and The Writer. And they have also aired on NPR and PBS. Andrea co-produces and co-hosts the podcast Writing Class Radio, which airs true stories and a little bit about how to write them. Welcome to you both, Andrea and Allison. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having us.
0: Good to have you with me. So I think this is the very first time I have interviewed someone who has their own podcast. So that's a first. Um, I, I'm just delighted that you are here. And Allison, you are a fellow podcasters, podcaster. Your program is called Writing Class Radio. What was the seed for that podcast?
1: Well, actually, we talked about writing a book about our um, evening writing class, because the stories were so... Um, fun and revealing and vulnerable and um, but then it was right around the time of serial and I was like let's do a podcast and so Andrea and I just decided to do like a podcast of our writing class but it quickly evolved into stories from the class but submitted stories from the outside and um, just trying to share what was going on in the podcast in the class on the podcast. So share what was going on in the class on the podcast. So that's kind of how it came to be.
0: And and how long has Writing Class Radio been on the air?
1: So in October, it'll be seven
0: years. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize it had been there that long. Yeah. Fantastic. Indeed. Yesterday, yeah. Or,
1: like, I think episode number 131
0: or something. Yeah. That's fantastic.
2: Basically, we just love our class so much, and we wanted to bring it to the world. <laughs> right. That's, that sounds kind of grandiose, but it, that is the truth.
0: That's great. That's great. Now, I'm curious, what kind of audience would be attracted to Writing Class Radio, and do you know who, who is listening?
2: The audience is probably people who want to tell their own stories. That's what I think. Um, And I think that because those are the people who respond to us via email or on our social media um, outlets. So people from all over the world, mainly in the United States, but we really we have people in countries in Africa and India. We do. We have listeners all over the world and there are people who want to tell their own stories and also people who just enjoy hearing a really good, compelling, true personal story.
0: So the stories are not confined to a, a prison theme, right? They're just any any story someone would want to tell?
1: Correct. I mean, we did run a prison series since I taught in prison and I still teach so many of the guys through the JPay, the prison email mm-hmm. system. I really wanted to get their stories into the world. And I kept sending them to other outlets, other outlets, other outlets. And it was just like, it would take months for somebody to get back to me. And then they'd be like, Oh, I don't know. This is missing something or I don't know. How are we going to pay the guys? Is that even legal? You know, like it was always so complicated. So I said, we've got to get these voices into the world. They deserve to be heard. And I think so many people don't know what really goes on with the criminal justice system and inside prison. That I thought it was extremely important to bring
2: it to our podcast and to share our
1: feelings about
2: it. I mean, telling stories by any by people from the inside totally like aligns with our mission, which is sharing and understanding each other. And so, Allison just got really excited to share stories because she was connected to these stories. She, she had access to them. So we ran a a 10 part prison series and we continue to run stories, air stories by people in on the inside.
0: Now let's pick, pick up what you just said, the 10 part prison series. Can either of you tell me more about that?
1: Well, it was really funny. I just want to say this first that Mm -hmm. at first when I said, I want to run these stories. I mean, this was already years ago when I first started teaching in prison and Andrea's like, okay, we can put like one or two or maybe three. And I was like, no, no, no. I want 10. And she's like, oh, me. <laughs> and, um, and then as I kept sending them to her, she's like, well, this is a good one. Oh yeah. This is a good one. And then before we knew it, we were up to 10 and she's like, all right, I'm in. So that's how it sort of came to be. And what you're laughing, Andrea, <laughs> do I get,
2: do I get to defend myself or now, No, 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 go, go. Well, one of the things is I saw how hard you were working. It's so difficult to work with men in prison because of all the obstacles, just writing emails to these guys is an impossibility for the most part. I mean, we don't Well, we can talk about, why, but like it costs money, literally. So that was one of the problems. I was like, oh my God, you're spending so much time. So let's just like, you know, let's see what we can do. Maybe three would, would work out, but your persistence, really paid. I I mean, I'm impressed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the red tape in prison for everything is just mind boggling. Um, I want to go to, um, the whole concept of storytelling and the power of storytelling. And I was thinking as I was, you know, writing questions as to, you know, what I could ask you, I was thinking that um, one of the most powerful experiences of my whole life was kicked off by a story that I read. And it was written by a young woman that I just interviewed a couple months ago who has become my daughter after 13 years. she, She was in prison. We began to visit her. It all began with her story in a book that I stumbled over and she is so close to us. Um, She, she had a a 50 year sentence. She got out in 25 and it's, it's a love story, but it began with her story. In what book? What's uh, her name? I want to know everything. uh, (laughs) Well, we're not talking about her today, but it's called I'll fly away. It's edited by Wally Lamb, the author. And I'm sure you can you can find it. And her name is Robin Ledbetter. So I, when we say the power of storytelling, I so believe that. And I want you both to tell me what how each of you see storytelling.
2: You want me to start? Okay, so I will um, pick up on. Um... The accusation that I wasn't gung-ho about having 10 stories on writing class radio from the inside. Um, because maybe I wasn't. Like maybe I was like, well, that sort of seems like it's changing our mission a bit. Um, but um one story in particular that I was thinking about today is Corey Arthur's story. And Corey Arthur is one of the students that Allison taught. And he sent us, he's actually been on our show twice, but the story that I'm thinking about is the one where he it's called the, uh, do you remember what episode it is? This We should.
1: Well, he had the one episode 120 um, about the pen. Okay. And then there was one recently
2: about um, his manifesto. So the he, manifesto, do you remember what episode that was? No, but I can look. Okay. Okay. The, okay. So the story is the manifesto. And what Corey Arthur does is he is having a conversation with himself in the story it is so brilliantly done because first of all, how do you do that in writing? But he does it. And mm-hmm. what he's doing is he's talking about who he is now versus who he was and yeah. where he came from and that battle. And um, and what that story did to me was it really showed me, it showed me so much. It showed me what someone goes through from the beginning, someone who's very different than me. And so it was like his street self, very violent. He was very explicit about the violence that he grew up with versus who he wants to become, which is someone who can forgive him, his old self, and someone who can forgive even a guy in prison who he's like sort of battling against. So what that ba- physically battling against, like he's in a fight, he's been in a 15 year fight with another guy in prison. And that story just really showed me, ah, uh, just, the 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 psychological and emotional journey of a person. Mm-hmm. and it I, I may have already been inclined to want better for guys in prison, but that story really cemented it for me. So stories, yeah, that that changed my mind. It yeah. made me see something in a different light.
0: well, it left it left a mark on you. And right. speaking of Corey, Um, That's another amazing, that's actually how I came to meet Allison or came to know her because Corey was the middleman. And Corey's essays have been published in the Marshall Project, which is a wonderful news feed um, that I get every week, probably almost 20 articles, almost every day about the criminal justice system. And there is a uh, newspaper called News Inside, and in that paper is a column called Life Inside, and they welcome essays. And I read an essay he wrote, it's got to be at least two years ago, and he, it said that he was from Fishkill Prison, and I had just lost a friend there, a man I had visited for eight years who died of COVID. And I thought maybe Corey knows him. It's a long shot, right? And it turned out he did. And Corey and I have become very fast friends. He calls me every week, and we exchange emails. So there's there again. There's there's the power of storytelling. So yeah, really amazing. Allison, you, tell me more about your thoughts of the, about the power of storytelling.
1: I just want to say one thing that I admire so much about you, Harriet, and um, it's that you read the stories and you reached out to these people. So it's not just that you felt a connection in reading it, but that you made a a life decision to connect with these people and open your heart. And that is so beautiful. I mean, honestly, I just want to say something about that because it was really touching me and I love that.
0: Thank you.
1: So Applauding you for that, for sure. Um, because I'll think about that, but then I don't get around to it, right? <laughs> so when Corey sent us his piece, when we did a call out for the prison series, Sarah Holtz, who he works with at Empowerment Avenue, is the one who sent us this piece about the pen, episode one hundred and twenty. Um, and I read it and loved it, and I said, okay, yes, we want to publish it, the whole thing. And um, but you know, I I didn't get in touch with Corey. He sort of sent me an email to thank me but it was like you know we weren't i wasn't trying to steal her person i wasn't trying to connect with somebody who didn't want to connect with me like i just didn't want to start something that maybe the person didn't want to start um i know it's really it's hard to explain but it's a little bit touchy inside prison like Mm -hmm. they get a little like why are you calling me why what's what do you want from me Mm -hmm. and i never want anyone to feel like they have to start off this relationship with any lack of trust So I allowed them to reach out to me first in that respect. Like I may send, Hey, hello, thanks so much, but that's it. So anyway, he started sending me stories little by little. And, um, and then he sent this one about the new manifesto that ended up being on episode one twenty eight, And it was just, we worked back and forth with it. And I would say, well, I don't get this. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Now, when you're working with the same editor over and over. Sometimes that editor already knows that stuff. So it's beautiful when you work with a new editor and Andrea and I do that a lot. Like I'll edit a story and I'll send it to her. And then she sees a whole new thing or I'll work on the story for a couple drafts with with one of our submissions. And then when it's done, I send it to her and she finds a whole nother thing that we've left out. So there's such a beauty. Don't you or, think so?
2: or, yeah, that's how we edit all the time. And double, to having two editors on a story is super great for that because the original editor fills in the holes, especially yeah. if they're communicating with the, the narrator. Yeah. Now,
0: how, how do um, people in prison um, feel about your editing their stories? Are they defensive or are they accepting?
1: I have not had too much pushback. Um, I kind of gauge who I'm um, communicating with. Um, I do have one guy who will send me something. He sends me stuff like literally he's been in prison for 42 years. Mm. And um, a lot of these, well, few of these stories were just published on this magazine called Salvation South. And so I'm super proud of these guys who got into this magazine, like, um, and their stories were picked up. This guy, Robert fell, will send me something and be like, this is a masterpiece. Now, I'm certainly not going to send him back a whole bunch of red. If he's telling me he feels this is a masterpiece, right. why do I need to crush his spirit, right? I, I'm like, it was great. It was awesome. He's not looking for um, hard I editing. Think. Right. But he's wait, so- who's
2: the guy who loves your red and calls it blood? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just read that in Salvation South. Yeah, who was
1: that? He's he was the prison poet laureate. He is the most talented stand. Like he does, um, the, uh, what's it called? Spoken word. Mm-hmm. We used to go and watch him perform. He's insane. He's so talented. So what's smart. his name again? Because I think I stepped on you. What? Oh, Eduardo Martinez. Yeah, they call him E or Echo. Anyway, mm-hmm. his one of his stories. His his poem was also in Salvation South, and um he's just an amazing guy and i get the ability to still because i've met these guys and i sat in a room with them they already trust me so now when i email back and forth there's already this trust but i'll to address your red pen there was a guy remember um swa he was the last um, episode in our prison series the hate <coughs> he creates and I remember sending, we had a discussion. We even, like when we were on the phone together, he started talking about the edits. And so we ended up putting it on the podcast because he was like, oh, that was not round three. That was like round 53. And <laughs> yeah. I sent him back some edits and he's like, "Ah, uh, no, that's not how it went. I I don't feel comfortable with that. Is that okay? Like they're very, and I was like, of course, that's okay. Yes, I want to know.
2: So, But I actually think for the most part, the guys that you edit love the attention and love the red pen that comes out all over their papers they want to make their stories better right so yeah. i i mean maybe there's a few who are sensitive as is always true i mean no one's more sensitive than alice and langer
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> nobody but in i world. but i get the feeling that these guys um they they're they appreciate it enormously yeah
0: a little personal experience, when I was teaching at Greenhaven Maximum Security Prison in, in New York, um, I had the men write essays because I was teaching them how to pass the GED portion, the, the essay portion of the GED. And I would take their papers home and type a critique, keeping it as positive as I could. And then sit next to them one at a time and go over what I had written. And I know they appreciated all that attention. Who, Whoever does I
2: want, that. I was going to ask you to do <laughs> that for me. <laughs>
0: uh, I'll send you a bill. <laughs> I'll gladly so it, it, it's, it's really, I was so um, impressed that they weren't defensive, that they welcomed um my thoughts. And I, I think um, uh, that's a wonderful thing that you're, that you're doing is to teach them maybe a little different way to express themselves. And you know, how, how great is that? So that's wonderful. So um, I, I believe that listening to s- inspiring stories of others encourage us, encourages us to realize how similar we, we actually are um, and, you know, if you, if you could talk to us about um, maybe some inspiring stories that you've come across in your work with the podcast.
2: Well, every story that, that Allison's brought from the guys inside. So inspiring. I mean, actually maybe not inspiring. I think that I want to um, answer that with like, what inspires me about a story is the truth. The truth in a story, mm. so I'm not inspired by like, yay, and I did this great thing. More for me, I'm inspired by, I w- I am more inspired by someone who's willing to say that they did this shit thing, and the, and what they learned, and that's what these stories do. One of the things that you were that you were mentioning before about like just the editing process, what I think is so amazing in my own world, and the and I know that these guys go through it is like figuring out what they're trying to say through the editing process, figuring it out, figuring it out. What do I really mean? Who am I really? Who am I at my core? And that's what I got out of Corey Arthur's story. He figured out who he was at his core and who he wanted to become. And that is inspiring.
1: I'll tell you what inspires me is that I thought I was so different from these guys. When I first Mm -hmm. went into prison, I was like, gosh, we're not gonna have anything in common. And what I realized is, is we are way more alike than we're not. And their stories, maybe the details are a little different than my details, but I, I have two voices in my head for sure. A hundred percent. One that wants to just bitch out the at and person and the other one saying, okay, that's not the right way to go about this, you know, to stay calm. And, and I've asked them their opinions on how do I deal with my 12 year old? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's insane. And they are so helpful. You know, I've had somebody say, just love him. Just love him. And then I've had somebody say, you cannot let him go to that mall by himself, period, the end. No, just say no. So it's like, I listen to them and we are on the same plane. I'm not asking them to tell me something that I'm not willing to share with them.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I I like what you said about you feel there's more um, similarity that connects you. And I want to definitely talk more about that uh, you both said you would come back and talk to us some more uh, about writing class radio, so we are certainly going to do that. Um, Andrea, do you, h- how do you feel about that um, concept that you're maybe more alike uh, with the writers than not? A hundred
2: percent. I mean, I um, my wife, um, Vicki, uh, not Allison. Allison's my work wife, but my wife, Vicki... <laughs> She thinks that I like, um, she does she, like, we'll be having a party and I want to invite everybody I know. And she's like, what? No, N- those people don't mix. I I never, everyone mixes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Everyone is uh, at the core, the same. And I've learned that over and over again in writing class in, in life. Yeah. I'm not surprised that Allison learned that.
0: Of course. I, I don't know if, I don't I don't know if I would agree that we're the same, but I think we probably all want similar things, but our views of the world, that's where we often differ. And right to if, if we're on very different sides, um to me, that's the difficulty to look for that commonality. It's there someplace. And it's right. it's hard. It's hard.
2: Yeah. Well, any story Told well gets to a human truth. Mm. Yeah. And that's what where we are all, I think, the same. Mm -hmm. But you're right, our experiences are all different. That's why it's really important to be open to other voices. That's a huge movement right now. Other voices. You're right. And guys in prison, that that's an other voice to the outside world. It
0: is indeed.
2: And we learn that we're all the same.
0: And voices that I think most people are very unfamiliar with. There are very few people I know that can say, well, yes, I, I have friends inside. Yeah, very few. So we are at the end of our, our first podcast here, and we'd love to have you come back and see us again. So we'll pick it up next time. I thank you both, Andrea and uh, Allison from Writing Class Radio. And we will see you again next time. Thank you so much. Please join us. All right. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. You've been listening to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio. And I'm your host, Harriet.